Hello and welcome to Creator Talks. I'm your host, Christopher Calloway. If you're new to the show, welcome. If you've been here before, welcome back. This is the 50th episode I've recorded so far. And on this landmark episode, I have two guests, Grace Ellis, co-creator of Lumberjanes, and Shay Beagle. These two creators have gotten together to produce a comic book, Moonstruck, being published by Image Comics. I'm going to talk to them about how they met and came together to work on this ongoing series published through Image. The first issue will be available at comic shops on next Wednesday, New Comic Book Day, July 19th. And on that momentous occasion, Grace and Shay will be debuting their comic book at the San Diego Comic Con. We are going to talk about some exclusive items that Grace and Shay are bringing to the con and will be available at their booth. Grace, Shay, and I are going to talk about how to enjoy the con by giving you some con tips to maximize your pleasure and avoid the dreaded con crud and get the most of your comic-going experience. And, of course, my rest and relaxation questions are posed to both of my guests. Now, here's the description of Moonstruck number 1 according to Image Plus magazine. Fantasy creatures are living typical, unremarkable lives alongside humans, and barista Julie strives to be the most unremarkable of all. Normal job... Normal almost girlfriend, normal werewolf transformations that happen when she gets upset. But all bets are off when she and her centaur best friend Chet find themselves in the middle of a magical conspiracy. Will Julie and Chet be able to save their friends? Is Julie's dog determination to be a normal, a lost cause? Well, you'll have to read and find out. Let's get on to my conversation with Shay and Grace, here now on Creator Talks. Grace Shea, welcome to Creator Talks. Hi, great to be here. Hi. <laughs> Are you sitting down? Absolutely. Okay, good. I just wanted to know because I read a lot of interviews and I see podcasts posted and I sat down with so-and-so and I'm like, did you really sit down? Ah. <laughs> I, I know some podcasters that stand and unless it's a, you know, a, a side-by-side conversation, they may not be sitting down. I am seated, but I'm actually kneeling. I have a special, uh, this is a little behind the scenes work about the podcast. I have a special like seat that's a kneeler as well. It's supposed to be better for your posture. Your hips, if they're not slightly sloped down, it can be annoying after many hours. So these work really well. So it's, it's a little weird looking, but it's pretty cool. And um, it's very comfortable. I have no problem with it. But we're all seated. Okay. <laughs> oh, well, one of us is kneeling. So you're not really sitting down. You're kneeling down. <laughs> yeah. But no, they're really, they're really cool chairs. One of the things I found interesting is the story... Your story, Moonstruck, opens in one of the most ubiquitous places we have in society now, a coffee shop. And these things have taken over America since, I guess, they started up really heavy in the 90s. And I myself live in a, at the very nexus of coffee beaneries where I am. I'm in Delaware, and in my neighborhood where I live, not too far from it, there are four coffee shops all at the same, basically the same intersection. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. You have your That's choice. About. Isn't that crazy? You have your choice. You're you if there's a line in one, well, just go to the other one. You have a lot of coffee shops around you and do both of you like to hang out at coffee shops? Well, I, I do for sure. Um I live really close to Ohio State's campus, so it's like a very specific kind of coffee shop for like the college crowd, you know. There's a lot of like transients, so to speak. Like people come in and grab their coffee and then immediately leave. But it's, it's really cool, though. I like it. I like it a lot, actually. Besides being transients, I mean, what is so different about a, say, college campus coffee shop versus your Starbucks down the street? I think that it has a lot to do with um, what people are actually doing there. Because, like, the people who stay in the campus 
coffee shops are usually like actively working on stuff, like very important stuff to meet like class deadlines. So it's a very studious atmosphere as opposed to like if you if I go a little further down the street and it's just like the coffee shops that are more for like people my age, like the 20 somethings. It's all of us like work from homers who just are trying to get out of the house or the people who are like trying to write their screenplays, but like not really like it's a lot more relaxed. Usually I have found. Yeah. Yeah, you do have people just bustling in to get their coffee and get out, or that's their home office. Some people do interviews in them. I see people conducting interviews. Uh, I see people having having uh, their first date there. Uh, it's it's a very interesting just to sit there and have your coffee and just watch people. You can learn a lot. It's pretty interesting. Oh, definitely. We've had a lot of uh, Moonstruck meetings at coffee shops. We've come up with some really great ideas based on the people we've seen there too. Oh, okay. So they've served as an inspiration for the the characters behind these. A wide variety of characters you have in the book, and and we'll get into the details about the book. But one of the first things I, I just want to talk about is the genesis of this comic is great. It started as I think it was a five-page short story, and it was part of a, a an anthology called Spitball, and it was um, part of a college course curriculum to actually do this work. And that's how the two of you actually got together and did the project. Yeah, uh, I was actually a student at the time when we first started working on the project. I was um, in my junior year at the Columbus College of Art and Design, and now I'm freshly graduated and working on the actual book form instead of the five-pager form, which is really, like, mind-blowing. Yeah, what a long, strange trip it's been. I know. Oh, it's been nonstop. <laughs> it must be incredible to get out of school and then, bam, you have a, a job right away like that. I mean, it's that's pretty atypical. A lot of students, you know, they struggle through trying to find work in their field, regardless of whether they're an artist or something else. Yeah, it's just it's just amazing that uh, you've managed to just get right into a your first book as an image book. That's great. Yeah, I, I love it. Image has been so good to us. And Lauren, now she was um, she, she was your instructor, and she's also your editor as well. Yeah, Lauren McCubbin. Excellent. And how's she helping you with? Um, editing the book is she that extra set of eyes that kind of helps with making sure things make sense and all come together because i mean since you're freshly minted out of school it helps to have i guess uh, your mentor it's great to have your actual professor your teacher as the editor it's like you have your mentor there too that's great she's like our group mom we, i love lauren uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's that extra set of eyes to catch the things that maybe grace or i didn't catch while we were writing and drawing respectively and she does a lot of the business side of things that me and Grace just kind of just like back away from. Yeah. She is so, so important to the team. And I love her personally. Oh, yeah. I, she's, I, she's the glue that's holding us all together. She's been a professor of mine for the past four years. So she is kind of my mom. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, that's great to have someone that's taking care of keeping everything together and keeping it on track. So you can just spend your energy on the creative process and not getting bogged down with some of the, the business end of it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it helps. Yeah. This particular book, you know, the setting is a coffee shop, an environment everybody should be familiar with. And yes, Moonstruck is based in a fantasy world filled with centaurs and fairies and werewolves. But the characters and the relationships are very real world. It's just like they're just a hair's breadth away from our own reality, which is really an interesting thing about the book. Nice. That is exactly the way that I would describe it. Thank you for doing my job for me. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's a very important project for both of you. When I when I was writing the five page story, it, like I wasn't that interested in like fleshing out the characters. You know, like what are you going to do in five pages with character development? It's about like I was thinking about like a twist and then a second twist that builds on the first one, and that was the first five pages of Moonstruck. Um, but when I was fleshing out the characters, I was thinking about um, what role the like fantasy elements were going to play in this. Um, and what I kind of settled on was thinking about um, otherness in our world, so like sexuality and race and ability, et cetera, et cetera, and how it's not like it's not separate from our like who we are personally. Mm-hmm. All of those things come together and they impact how the world sees us and that impacts how like we see the world, so on, you know. So I just kind of um, was imagining what it would be like if like there was a centaur and the centaur was essentially like basically a human in all ways, except for the fact that they have a big centaur butt and like how that would change them as a person, you know? So it's it's all like very tightly woven together. I think I hope it comes through that way anyway. It's the kind of book, it's a very important project for both of you because comic books that properly represent the LGBTQ community are, are sorely needed. I mean, something that doesn't use it as a plot device um, or, you know, rather than just kind of making it just part of the character, it always is something that kind of stands out in its own way. And it's the, it's the focus of the book. That's just who the characters happen to be and take it from there. And then you build the story. So that's, it, it's something that's needed. Uh, and we're still trying to get there right now. That's is slowly changing, but it's, through your work together that you're helping to to change that i think that okay i think i have so many feelings about like lgbt representation i'll try to be brief you don't have to be brief it's my show you can do whatever you want go ahead oh my god okay (laughs) oh you've really like unleashed a monster um i i feel like there is definitely still room and like i would never i would never tell anybody any especially any like marginalized person what they can and can't write there's definitely still room to tell like coming out stories and like bad things happening to queer people stories for sure. Um, but personally where I am in my life and my like journey as a lesbian at least is like, I am kind of beyond coming out stories. Like they don't really interest me that much at this point in my life. So I am really interested in just talking about it just in general. Um, and just, telling the story through the lens of queer people and as protagonists specifically, because a lot of times like historically gay people are like in the background, like cheering on a straight person or like they die a lot of the time, especially lesbians are dying all the time, um, (laughs) which is funny if it weren't so sad. Um, So I, I was really interested in building a world where the character sexuality was like a big part of it, but it wasn't, the entire plot, you know? I think that we do need, I agree with you, I think that we do need some more stories like that, where it's just, it's it's almost incidental. Like, queer people could read this book and comfortably know that they aren't going to feel like their sexuality is under attack, necessarily. Right, that's not the focus of the book at all. I mean, it's a relationship, it's a love story, but the persuasion of the person has, it's not the focus in the least. There's nothing, quote, special about that in the story. And some people just may not get that. And, well, let me try to illustrate it for them who just don't understand why this is necessary and what's the big deal. And, you know, I'm, I'm late to the party watching Game of Thrones. And I start, <laughs> honest, no, really, I started watching it last week and people said, you got to watch it, you got to watch it. I'm like, I will, I will, I will. And now I'm like binging. Okay. 
Now, I'm watching this show, and Peter Dinklage is one of the main characters in the show. In the past, in a lot of movies, uh, people that are born uh, with dwarfism, they are seen as something comical in the movie. They're like an ancillary character for comic relief, you know, whatever the case may be, but it's always some kind of device. And I'm watching this, and I said to my wife, I said, you know, he is really a good actor. And I mean, forget about, you know, the stature or whatever. It, it doesn't even occur to me. He's just a good actor, and it's a good character. Everything else about him that someone would point to and say, oh, I see, he's a dwarf, doesn't matter at all. You know, you, you get, you're beyond that instantly. And that's the same kind of thing with what you're trying to do with the books. You're, you're beyond that right away. We've, we've done that story a thousand times. It's been done. Nothing new about it. Let's move on and get to the characters and get to the story. And if people don't understand that, well... You know, look at Peter Dinklage and look what he's doing as as an actor, as an artist. Exactly. That's a pretty good metaphor, actually. Um, Yeah, I think that stories like this help for people outside of the group. It helps to illustrate that the marginalized group is like a full person, you know, who has like a lot of the same everyday struggles that everyone else does. You know, some of them are different. Some of them are the same. Well, we're all different. I mean, you know, it doesn't really matter. I mean, people are people. And I don't think a lot of people get that. There's very much this separation of us, them. And we're all part of the same universe. We're all made of the same stuff. As Carl Sagan would say, we're all made of the same star stuff. So, like, what's the issue? And, you know, it's there's still work needed. And I'm not here to pick at a scab. And we certainly don't want to bite the hand that feeds. But I, I read that not too long ago there was a little bit of friction with a book published by Image. Uh, that Howard Chaikin wrote, and it was a portrayal of a trans woman uh, sex worker who gets brutalized, and the way this was handled was not ideal at all. The good thing about this that's coming out is that you're working with Image to increase the the sensitivity and social responsibility of telling these kinds of stories and how characters are portrayed. So you're actually taking an active position to help to bring about some change about that, and Image is listening. Yeah, Image has been super receptive so far about this. Uh, I'm really excited moving forward, actually. I I feel bad because I feel like now that this has happened, I feel like we should have done this before something like this happened. But now that we're here, there's nothing we can do but move forward in a positive way. And I think I, I'm very encouraged talking to Image that um, moving forward, there will be a lot more um, responsible representation coming from them back to moonstruck itself it looks like a really fun bright vibrant comic book and this is going to be you know as far as you know ongoing correct yes yes and as i mentioned it is all ages and image is looking to get more into the all ages category of comics which i don't really see a whole lot of i mean in my local comic shop they have a section for kids comics and um, i was talking to a creator who was at the las vegas comic con and actually one of the most popular books at his booth were kids books and i was like well that's encouraging to hear that hey kids are looking for something to read they want to be included in in comics too and your book's certainly going to fit too as well i'm pretty encouraged honestly by um all the kids that want to read comics i i have a really good relationship with my local library branch um and every single time i go in there they are so enthusiastic to talk to me about talk to me about all of the like graphic novels that all the kids are reading because the kids love them they lose their minds for them they're like all of these kids that aren't that interested in reading they'll pick up like a Raina book and just like lose their minds because it's reading but it feels like cheating you know because there are <laughs> pictures too but the pictures are part of the story that was always me as a kid because I just was not a reader like I'd want, I wanted to look at pictures I just want to look at 
cute pictures. <laughs> and no, I'm so excited that because I never really got into comics as a kid because of everything seemed so adult and everything seemed like too violent. My, like, my parents would never let me read this. I'm a scared little 10 year old. I'm super excited for, you know, like a generation coming up that'll see again, like Raina books and maybe even our book, who knows that I gets hope so. that way. I started the same way. Um, I mean, well, one of the things I've explained on my podcast is that my allowance at the time allowed me to buy four comic books. That's how long ago that was. So it was something I could afford, and I would read them to death, like this, until they fell apart practically. I actually still have most of those old books, but it was one of those things that started where, you know, I'd be home, sick from school, my dad would bring you home, like some comic books. And it'd be a variety of stuff, be Archie, it'd be Marvel, some DC. And that got me into reading, and I would read a lot of them. And yes, they're books with pictures, but so what? I would pick up some vocabulary words just by reading some of those old comic books. And then later on, I started buying paperbacks and reading them and kind of would up my game with what I was reading. And then when I got into high school, I was like all crazy about the imaginative literature classes. And so, yeah, it's a great starting point. Um, I said before on my show, my daughter wasn't a really a big reader until I started giving her some uh, Spider-Girl comic books. Mm-hmm. And she liked them. And then she started buying other books, like her own little paperback books and things that she wanted to read. But it got her started, though. And she found something she liked and then would read it. So I think it's a great entry point for kids. It doesn't like – I don't think it holds them back in any way, shape, or form or that they're bad in any way. And when I say bad, I mean in terms of like, well, that's not real reading. Sure. Right, exactly. Sure it well, it's, like, it's like capturing their imagination in the way that only fiction can yeah. and specifically in the only way that comic books can. And I think it's a great like conduit for getting kids to read just in general. But also like comics as a medium is so cool. I really love it. There's so much awesome storytelling stuff you can do. And I know that, like, I mean, it, it's like a like a trope that we like to make fun of all the time, which is like, wham, bam, comics aren't for kids anymore. <laughs> like, comics have never been exclusively for kids. I mean, first of all, that's a terrible headline, just in general. Second of all, comics, quote unquote, haven't just been for kids since, like, forever, let alone, like, the 90s when it was, like, all comic books for adults. And it was really mm-hmm. dark, yes. you know? What I'm saying is I think that everyone should be reading comics because I think they're so fun and you can tell the best kinds of stories in them. I just think that people get really caught up in like seeing comics as a genre instead of as a medium. Oh, yeah. And I hope I hope that books like ours can help like broaden everyone's horizons in that way. I hope so. Because like folks like us, we're sort of in a our own little bubble in a way. Now, it's becoming much more mainstream. It certainly is because of a lot of the movies, but... I've had people say to me, friends of mine, they still make comics? I'm like, yes. I mean, to me, it's like amazing. It's like, well, but they don't know because they don't ever go near a store or see them around anymore. But I'm like, yeah, are you kidding me? They're all over the place. They're in, they're in bookstores. They're in trade format. They're out there digitally. You can buy them through Comicology. You can buy them through your comic shop. You can, there's so many ways now to get them. But there are still some people, and they don't realize, like you said, it's a medium, not a genre. And there are so many different genres. There's, there's got to be something that would interest anyone that walks into a comic book shop. I mean, if they like crime, they like romance, they like they like horror, they like superheroes. Because I think a lot of people that aren't involved in comic books or you know, have looked at one lately think it's all superhero. And I, I cringe too when I see headlines in magazines and newspapers that go, Biff, bam, pow, and I'm like, oh, please stop. It, it's, it, right? gets, it gets under my skin. It drives me crazy. And frankly, I, I really did like the Batman 66 series as a kid. I hated it when I got older. And then I loved, and then I loved it again when I got became an adult because I'm like, oh, I get it. It's supposed yeah. to be satire. I get it. Back to the book. Now, 
Your editor, Warren, I, I read that you're going to be at San Diego. Yes. That's awesome. Have you ever set foot at the San Diego Comic-Con before? I did a couple years ago. We, I went with Lumberjanes. I'm fresh meat out there. <laughs> it's okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of you. I'll take you under my wing. Okay. Shepherd you around. Keep me on a little child leash. And yeah. <laughs> Don't wander <laughs> off. Okay? <laughs> now, Grace, let me ask you, since you're a veteran, you've been out there and you've been a co-creator and are a co-creator of Lumberjanes, a very successful award-winning comic book. What would you tell Shay about going to this San Diego Comic-Con? I've never been to it. How are you going to prepare her for this experience? Because it is huge and it's, it's more, it's beyond comics. I mean, it gets into movies, TV, how are you going to prepare for your con adventure? Well, first of all, on some level, you can't. Um, this is my my all time favorite story to tell about San Diego is um, I was at, I was signing at the Boom Booth basically the entire time, and the Boom Booth is always next to the Marvel Booth, um, like the like a, the huge Marvel Booth. And one one of the days we showed up and someone from Marvel came over and was like, are you guys ready for the signing? And we were like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then they left and we were like, OK, well, I guess we're not ready because we still don't know what you're talking about. And then 20 minutes later, the entire cast of the Avengers was there and they were just mobbed the whole cast. <laughs> so, no, we were not ready. Um, and we had no we had no way of knowing that that was coming because there's so much going on. You can't possibly know everything that's happening at the same time. However, I think that. First of all, if you want to buy something, do it on the first day because it will sell out for sure, especially if it's exclusive. So like run through that exclusives list, come up with a plan, stick to it. If there are any panels, you should definitely make a list of the ones that you want to go to because otherwise you're going to get super overwhelmed and you might not get a seat if you see that there are like, if you see that there's something cool in a room later in the day, then you should plan on getting there earlier because people like to show up super early for something cool later and they'll just take up seats in a panel. So definitely plan on that. And then also, um, I think that the most important thing you can do at San Diego Comic-Con is just like go with the flow because there's so much crap happening all of the time. You're just going to feel super overwhelmed and there's nothing you can really do about it. Take a lot of emergency. That's it. Take your vitamins. Some Purell. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's one of the most important. Plan Purell and and take something to drink. I mean, uh, I, don't yeah. mean I don't mean like alcohol, but <laughs> I mean something yeah. to hydrate because you Water, will. Honestly, yeah. I haven't been to a ton of cons, maybe like, I don't know, five or six. But one thing, I have to take way more water than I think I need because I will dehydrate. I'll just be walking, walking, walking and talking to people. That's the best part about it is, is meeting up with people and talking to them. And you just wind up tired and dehydrated but you got to plan because you will you will be overwhelmed you can't hit everything so you got to pick and choose and yes if you want exclusives if you're looking for commissions you better get to who you want to see right away and the first day is usually the best day to line all that up for sure i'm actually taking notes on this stuff so oh, good <laughs> <laughs> no real and the purell is important too because you don't want to get the dreaded con crud yeah because i have it's so it's so horrible. And it's like, it what what even is it? It's just like everything and you just feel so gross and so tired and that takes you a week to recover. It does. It's horrible. Yeah. You have like no energy. And I mean, I got up, I ate something, I went back to bed. Then I hear it's dinner. I ate something, I went back. I mean, you have zero energy. You don't want to, you can't even like enjoy being sick if you know what I mean. You can't like sit back, I'll just read a book because I can't really work. No, you can't do anything. It's terrible. You just have to sleep, sleep it off. And the con is so long. San Diego is like a full week. 
So if you get sick in the first couple of days, you're just out. That's it for you. Nobody wants that. I'd be crushed. If I went out there and I couldn't circulate and enjoy it, I would just be crushed. You guys are there. You're going to have some interesting stuff. You have uh, some special pins coming up, enamel pins. Yeah, we yes. have a couple. What are what are they, Shay? I don't remember. Um, we've got one that is the uh, Moonstruck logo, and the other that is the Black Cat Cafe logo that um, Julie and Chet work in. Yeah, they're going to be super cute. I'm actually going to snag a couple of those just for me, Grace. Oh, for sure. It's, obviously. I'm way into the enamel pins right now. Yeah, you got to just cover your whole body in them. I do. Like enamel pin armor. Yes. If people haven't seen those, they were actually, well, you can see the, the logo for the Black Cat Cafe in the Image Plus magazine. In fact, Moonstruck is on the cover of uh, issue 13. You're the cover story. Well, that was super exciting. Yeah, I actually, I get that every month. Uh, I really enjoy reading it. And uh, they do a, a wonderful job of uh, giving us previews and little interviews and even had con tips in there. They put mine in there too. So uh, yeah. It was, nice. They were all tweets, and I'm like, "What can I do with 140 characters? Watch." <laughs> Wait, what? What did what'd you say? What was your well, what was your answer? Basically, all of those things, like about hydrate, Purell, have a plan, get the commissions right away, and that that was really just basically the big thing was to oh, and wear comfortable shoes. Mm, that's a good one You're too. You're walking a lot, so nice thick socks and comfortable shoes. I take a backpack, and I shove everything in there. I've got like a little tripod for doing interviews on video or just audio if I want to. Two little clip-on microphones. I just Everything packs into a bag. In fact, I went to uh, Heroes Con on a special economy flight. No overhead storage. I'm like, okay. Pants, check. Underwear, check. A t-shirt, <laughs> check. And that was it. And I bought and were given lots of books. And I got them all home in that same bag. Wow. <laughs> That's intense. First, I was thinking, okay, I can always mail the books back to me through the hotel. They have like a business center. You can use FedEx. And people do that. They buy stuff at a con. They can't get on the plane. I thought, wait a minute. If I can't fit it in my bag, I'll mail my underwear and dirty clothes home. Because if they get lost, <laughs> I don't care. Big deal. But if I lose those books or I lose some art, I'll be really upset. So I'll just throw my laundry in there. But I didn't have to do it. So there's another tip, folks. If you're going a distance and you can't fit it in your bag on the plane, you don't want it damaged, you can ship it FedEx or just ship your laundry home and you can take your books with you. That's <laughs> genius. <laughs> But when you open that package, stand back or put a clothespin on your nose because it, oh, be, yeah, it can be really rough. Uh, yeah, so I hope you have a blast in San Diego. I've never been there. I hope someday to get there. But I know it's – unless you're invited and you're going as a creator, it takes quite a bit to get tickets to actually go. Yeah, I'm, I imagine especially if you're flying all the way from Delaware. It's expensive. I don't know when or if that will ever happen. I, I mainly stick to the East Coast. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I could swing it. But, oh, hey, I wanted to also mention, you're going to have special tarot cards at your booth also? Yeah, well, here's, okay, it's a little hard to explain what they are. Um, they're, like, the size of postcards, and one of the characters in Moonstruck is an oracle who can tell the future. Um, so we have these little, they're, like, little scratch-off cards. So you take a card, and you can scratch off the little the little heart, and it'll tell your future. They're very serious futures, so. They're super serious. yeah. Yeah, it's the like, real. It's the real future. Now, is San Diego the only place to get these pins and these cards? That's a good question. Probably not. <laughs> Ultimately, if we have leftover, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, you could have like a contest in your your comp book, like in the letters page, and the winner would get a tarot card or a pin in the mail. Mm -hmm. We have been talking about doing a contest, right, Grace? Yeah, we're we're trying to we're getting our act together for it right now. Um, but it's going to be something to the effect of like. 
take a picture of our book at your local comic shop and tweet it to this thing. Okay. And if you do that, then we'll, we'll send you a copy of everything that we're selling at San Diego. So it's a pretty good deal. Ultimately. Oh, that's, a, that's a great idea. Yeah. And there's also, I don't know what it's going to be yet, but I know there's some back matter that's also going to be in the issues. Yeah. So there's so much back matter in this. It's, it's very fun. Is it art? Is it articles? Is it, you don't have to divulge, you know, anything you want to surprise us with, but I just didn't know like what kind of content it would be. It's a lot of everything. We've yeah. got, um, We've got some fan art. We've got an interview with Nyla Magruder right now for the first issue. Ooh. And we've got like letters from the editor. We have a little um, advice section for like Ask a, Ask a Monster. Ask a Know-It-All is the official <laughs> title because monster is a negative word in this, in this world. So it's Ask a Know-It-All. So we've got a little interview from funny. a mermaid for our first issue. It's really cute. I like it. Yeah. That's why I tell people, you know... Trades are great, but you want to really try to get on board at the beginning because one, you know, you buy the single copies. There will be a trade because there's no guarantees in these in this business. You know, you have to support the book, and you generally don't get that back matter in the trades. Usually, it's right. just the story itself. It's a great entry point if you you can't you came on late. Let's say you want to get caught up on something, but you get the that's really great to add a little more value to the comics. I always tell my creators on the on the podcast that you know if they have back matter. Um, I really enjoy that as much as I enjoy the book too. I, I feel like I'm getting more from my buck and really you are cause you're getting the full story and you're getting the back matter. So, and we don't see a lot of that in comics these days. I, Image does it very well and some other smaller publishers do it. I don't see it a lot with the bigger publishers. There's usually not a lot of back matter and not unless they're going to charge you another dollar for an extra, you know, if it's extra art and extra pages, great. Um, but you don't see it that much. They would rather use that those extra pages for ads, I think. In the old days, back in the Stone Age when I read comic books, they would have letter pages and they would have bulletin pages. And I would read the books from cover to cover. I would read all that stuff in there, not just because I would feel like I'm getting some insight into the creators and the whole process. And nowadays, at least we have social media, so we can get much closer to the creators, understand more about what's going on and not having to wait month to month and look at a letter page. But it's still nice to see in these books that there is a letter page or there is some kind of additional back matter that kind of helps you get a little more into the story and get some background on it and the people behind the story. I, don't know, I just I just like them. I agree. I think it's so fun. And it's really fun to put together, too. I just like the opportunity to engage the readers, you know, whether that be like sending a letter in or sending a question for our little ask a know-it-all. We just like to engage. Well, you should get plenty of engagement, too, out of San Diego. So that'll be interesting to see what kind of feedback you got. When is that coming up? Uh, this next week. Is it next week? Real? Oh, wow. So the timing of your book, which is coming out. The 19th, which is the first day of San Diego Comic-Con. <laughs> Perfect for you. <laughs> Perfect, if not overwhelming. It's almost like you planned it that way. <laughs> almost. <laughs> now, Grace, having co-created Lumberjanes, you've learned a lot about comics. From that experience, what are you bringing to Moonstruck? Well, I think that in the time between Lumberjanes and Moonstruck, um, I have become a much better writer. I have learned. I when I when I started on Lumberjanes, I knew literally nothing about the comics industry, and now I feel like I do um, <laughs> learn some of it the hard way. But I'm happy to report that I feel much um, much more prepared to take on um, like a leadership role in this book than I was for Lumberjanes, I think. 
you know, because like, I mean, I was like, how old was I when Lumberjanes, when we started on Lumberjanes, like 22 or something? What can you do when you're 22 and in a brand new industry? I mean, I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't even read comics mm. when I I'm started. That exact feeling right now, Grace. Yeah, I know. I, I know. <laughs> it's, it, it's just so overwhelming and there's so much to learn and to know and not all of it's intuitive, you know, like the stuff about like the direct market. Oh my God. Like, I still don't know that I understand it completely. It's intense. I feel like I'm not only a better writer, but like a better person. I'm definitely better at like being an adult in general. You know, I feel like I can handle this, which is not how I felt going into Lumberjanes. I'm excited. I only see good things coming from Moonstruck. Now that you're a little older and a little wiser. Oh, I hope so. It's encouraging. <laughs> now, Shay, you just got out of school. So you've, yeah. you've studied for this. You've prepared for this. So what have you taken, the knowledge that you've gained so far that you've applied to Moonstruck? What have been some of the best takeaways you've had from your education? Well, definitely towards the end of my school years, um, our school started to put out more comics-focused classes. So luckily now, I think uh, starting this next year, they're actually having a comics and uh, narrative illustration major, which is super exciting to hear, but I'm kind of bummed that I didn't get to be a part of it. But uh, <laughs> uh, there was, of course, the class that I met Grayson, and um, I had taken that a year before and learned a lot about general paneling and pacing and even lettering and everything. So I guess I took a little bit of everything that I learned, and I'm trying to put it all together, and I'm still learning, still don't feel prepared, but I don't, I don't think that's ever going to happen, really. <laughs> doing my best well probably once you get a little distance from school you'll start to see what's actually sticking and and you're applying but uh, hey who knows someday you might go back and teach some of those classes oh i, I, <laughs> 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 I don't know, I don't know nope. maybe i know a couple of the um a couple of the professors have been like hey now that you've got this book we're gonna have to come back that's okay. right uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know you're both extremely busy. So questions that I ask all my guests oh, are, what ready. You, you ready? Okay. I'm ready. Right. I was born ready for the, this. The, these, are, these are not hard. Just, we just have fun with them. What do you <laughs> each like to do for rest and relaxation when you're not writing, drawing, working on the comic, working on comics? What do you do to kick back? What do you do, Shay? I often go to video games, though I shouldn't. I tend to get a little sucked in. Um, other than that, I take a lot of naps. Nice. And I, I will still enjoy a good nap in the middle of the day. Oh, it's the oh, best. We are, we are so different in that way. I can't take a nap <laughs> because then I, I just feel like I've woken up in a different, on a different planet. You know? I love it. I feel like it's a different day, but it's not. I feel like I'm, I don't know, it's like feeling like you saved time, but you really didn't. <laughs> yeah, you lost time. See, I, I don't identify with that at all. <laughs> but I'm I'm glad I'm glad that because it's it seems like it's very healthy. Oh yeah, um, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I miss those days. My <laughs> wife and I used to love taking like the Saturday afternoon nap, and now it's just no. <laughs> the kids is like no, <laughs> can't happen. But man, it's the best. I'll take it while I can. <laughs> Absolutely, take advantage of it. My next question for both of you uh, is: You're stuck on a deserted island. You're by yourself. There's no power. No electricity, don't have your iPhone, your tablet, and you're allowed to have one book. And I'll even say, hey, it can be a set of books if it's all part of the same collection. What would 
that one book be? Because you're going to be there for a while. Oh, that's hard. Well, as soon as as soon as you said a set of books, my mind went to um, the Babysitters Club because there's like 300 of them. Oh wow! And that seems like a good way to pass the time. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my answer because that's what my brain jumped to, I guess. If we're doing set of books, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Animorphs. Oh my god! Then I have to. Choice. It's been a long time, but I think I can go back. Oh, they're so good. And they're all like, they're all part of a larger story. Isn't that true? I've yeah. never read a single Animorphs book in my life. Oh, it took me um, forever to actually like pick one up and read it. I just liked looking at the covers and right. kind of trying to question. Exactly. But is it, it's, I, I was talking to one of my friends about it and she said it's, there's like a, it's about like a war and it's oh, actually yeah. really sad. It's extremely sad. Yikes. That's funny. I love that. That's a real bait and switch. If you're stuck on an island and it's sad, it might make you feel better. <laughs> Like, That's well, true. Well, my situation's not so bad. At least, At least you're not dying in an Animorphs war. <laughs> <laughs> For each of you, is there a book that you like to go back and read frequently? Like some people I know will read a book once a year or they'll watch a movie once a year. Is there something that you like to go back to and read and reread and you never get tired of it? That's a great question too. Oh, no. What do you think, Shay? I don't know because I've never been a huge reader of books and every time I've tried to reread something, I'm always, I find myself just like, you know, I've already done this. I should start something new. And I'll yeah. put it on like halfway through. So I don't think I have an answer for that. Okay. And, and th some people say that like they, they don't, there's just too much out that they have. They don't read something twice. They have to move yeah. on to something new. Yeah. yeah. That's how I feel about most books. I'm looking at my bookshelf right now because if I, if I own a book, it's usually because I really like it. I've read um, American Born Chinese a bunch of times. I really love that book. I think it's so smart. Um, I really like to read Fun Home. I've read that a bunch of times. Obviously, as like a lesbian cartoonist, it really speaks to me. Oh, I have this collection of... I, I'm really into reading plays. I think that playwriting is so fun and so challenging. Um, so I have this book. Of, it's a collection of plays by a playwright named Sarah Rule. I really like to read that. Um, but most things I don't like to read more than once you know unless i feel like i can like really get something out of it if by reading it a second time how about films now i know some people that will watch the same film every year um i don't quite do that i don't have time to watch something over and over and over again but there are some films i will watch multiple times uh, even though I, I buy a lot of dvds like i'm going to watch things at multiple times i know i can't there's only so much time in the day but is there a film that each of you prefer to watch you know every once in a while go back to and always get something different out of it. I was going to say no, and then I remembered how many times I've watched The Room. So <laughs> just about to say The Room. <laughs> <laughs> just talked about this. I love The Room. It's so good. Well, I've probably seen that five times, and that's on the oh, low side. God, it's so wonderful, and you do get something new out of it every time. <laughs> that's what I would think with any book someone would read repeatedly, or you know, a movie, or even like a series. You get something you see something different each time you can pick a little something else out that's always very rich storytelling that can do that that gives you something else you to pull from it or depending on what stage you are in life you may read that book or see that movie differently from a different perspective definitely i feel like i'm still just gonna laugh at the room but right. <laughs> <laughs> but you can see that for other more serious movies now my final question is what is your beverage of choice well i never drank coffee until like two and a half, three years ago, I was like, no, I can't touch this stuff. And now it's like, ugh, I'm like everyone else. Like it's a morning ritual. 
but I don't want to just say coffee because that's very boring. Um, there is a cafe near where I live and they make a mint iced coffee. That is my beverage of choice. Mm. It is absurdly good. It's, it's like the coffee equivalent of a fruity alcoholic drink in that you can't really taste the coffee and then you drink it and you're like, Oh my God, I am like tweaking that cafe, <laughs> you know? Okay. It's crazy. <laughs> I'm going to product place and say that I am a Dr. Pepper addict. Okay. I really should not drink as much Dr. Pepper as I do. And that's why I also go for water. Ah, big on water. I'm very milk toast over here. <laughs> well, we talked about how important hydration is on this show. That's true. So I have my water here too. They were all about that healthy lifestyle. Absolutely. Take some naps, drink some water. What would you guys suggest would you pair with Moonstruck? I feel like any coffee beverage would be fine. Um, specifically, if you can get someone to draw a little cat in your latte, I feel like that would just be like, yes, this is perfect. <laughs> Do both of you still have some convention appearances planned? I think we have a couple signings um, just at San Diego, but I don't think we've really thought past San Diego yet. Yeah, we have like a couple errant signings here and there, but mostly it's just like we have to get around this giant block in the middle of the road that is San Diego. Any signings at coffee shops? You could have a, an event at a coffee shop, uh, perhaps. Or, I we, want we, to so bad. Oh my God, there's this one in the suburbs. It's a coffee shop run by lesbians attached to an independent bookstore. I want to do a signing there so bad. <laughs> They're perfect for us. I know. Make it when happen. we get back, I think I'm going to talk to them, honestly. That would be so fun. And have a book reading there, too. Oh, yes. Shay, we're doing Let's... it. I've signed yeah. you up for it. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to share with the audience about your book? Why they should pick it up? With all those other books on the racks, why should this one jump out? And, hey, it's coming up soon. I mean, when this podcast drops, it'll be the next new comic book day on the 19th. First of all, I feel like you should get it just for the art because Shay is an incredible artist. It's messed up how good the art in Moonstruck is. Like, honestly, it is not like anything you've ever seen before, frankly. It's so, like, warm and syrupy and just, like, very homey. But, like, it's also very moody. It's great. You're going to love it just for the art. But also, I think that as the writer who's, like, been, like, in the thick of this for so long now, I feel like... There's been a lot of attention given to the details in this book. Um, it feels very literary to me. There's a lot going on all of the time with um, the plot and the themes in it. So I think if you're looking at it and you're saying to yourself, this is a book for kids, that I would encourage you to stick with it because it's going to get a little crazy. How about you, Shay? Oof. I don't know. Gracie like, said it all. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, okay. I, didn't know, I didn't know he was going to kick it over to you. <laughs> Ooh. Let's talk about the art some more. It's yeah, so good. There you, are. You, you already talked me up enough. No, you can talk yourself up some more. There's no such thing as talking up your art too much. I mean it. I'm good. I'm happy with it. <laughs> it's been great having you on the show. And uh, hope to have you back sometime after you know get through the first arc. Maybe reconvene yeah, and see how things are going. Yeah, let's check in. Hopefully we're still as jolly as we are now. <laughs> not beaten down by the industry. <laughs> And when you come back, we can talk about San Diego and how that was and how you survived. Oh, probably with a lot of purel and emergency. <laughs> if we do survive. Yeah, that's very presumptuous. <laughs> oh, Grace Shea, thank you so much for being on Creative Talks. Oh, thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. 
Thus concludes my interview with Grace Ellis and Shea Bugle about their upcoming comic book, Moonstruck. And I have to say, I feel like the luckiest, most blessed guy in the world to have the opportunity to do these interviews and have such fantastic guests on the show. I feel like I'm batting a thousand when it comes to getting great guests, interesting guests. And as I said, this is the 50th episode. I began this podcast at the end of last year, the day after Thanksgiving, and I started out with some best of. So if you haven't heard those and you're new to the show, you can go back and listen to some of my best of podcasts from 2016. At the end of the year, last week of December, I started recording new interviews. And since then, here we are at number 50 and a lot more to come. I have some great interviews in the works. If you like what you hear, reach out to me through social media. Follow me on social media through Twitter or Facebook at Creator Talks Pod. That's at Creator Talks Pod. You can go to my website and I have a playlist there. You can see all the interviews that I've conducted. So if you want to go back through and pick out one or two and try those out, if this is your first time listening to my podcast, you might find some others. Just look at that list of guests. Look who I've had on the show. Like I said, I feel very lucky and very blessed. So if you want to check it out, that's creatortalks.com. If you want to send me a longer message, you can also send me an email through creatortalks.com. As for the podcast, it's free. It's always going to be free, so why not subscribe? You can do it through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. And if you can, please rate and write a review using iTunes or Stitcher. Your comments and your reviews are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for listening. For Creator Talks, I'm Christopher Calloway. Until next time.